0: if you if you want to get the best results and and you want to feel good in yourself i i think that you owe it to yourself to make sure that you are um setting new challenging goals don't don't just stick with what you can do because that yeah that's not going to show you what you're capable of Hello and welcome to today's episode
1: of the I podcast, where we chat with Danae Marie from Happy When Fit, and we dive into talking about how we can achieve really high levels of fitness and health in a way that is actually sustainable. The episode today is going to be fantastic for anybody who's wanting to get their bodies into that really fit, strong, healthy state, but don't want to lose their mind in the process. Danae has a background in bodybuilding, having won multiple competitions, including the A&B Australian Overall Fitness Award, which saw her to later on proceed to compete in Canada. So, today's talk we dive into a bit of it, a bit about Danae's background in bodybuilding and how she took what she learned there to improve the process for others. Some of the topics that we do cover include what it was like competing in Canada. How Danae got started in bodybuilding and some of the negative impacts that actually came from that bodybuilding realm, as well as the benefits that she took away from competing. We'll talk about some actionable steps that you can put into place to achieve a really optimal level of fitness and how you can sort of create and mould your own sustainable lifestyle. And then we'll also sort of go into some nutrition tips and how you can challenge yourself with both um, exercise and um, nutritional challenges, um, and how you can stay interested and motivated in exercise. All righty, let's get started.
0: You're listening to the Aikuku Podcast with Alex Shepherd. Shepherd. Pilot your potential and take off.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Um, I suppose I want to start off just hearing about your um, journey from going into the bodybuilding community and then coming out of that and leaning to where you are now.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, So, yes, I started um, bodybuilding when I just I've always had such a passion for sport and fitness and. Uh, I wanted to give myself that challenge, that next challenge that went beyond what I was doing for myself in the gym. So I set myself the goal of a competition. Um, and, yeah, I did quite well in my first few competitions and realised, hey, I could, I could uh, you know, achieve something with this. So um, within that first year of competing that um, I, I did, I did four competitions and ended up at the nationals. And won that Australian title before going to Canada. And I suppose after that, I just had that big moment where I realized that, um, whilst I learnt so much from competing that I didn't feel fulfilled from it anymore. Um, the, I'd set myself those challenges, but it wasn't something that I wanted to continue doing as a long-term thing. Um, from a health perspective and also from a um, a, a purpose and a meaning perspective. So um, at that point was where I decided, okay, what can I take from this experience and um, turn into something that has more meaning for me and also that I can share with other people to give them that meaning and what I've learnt from it um, to enhance their lives as well. And that's where Happy When Fit um, came about. Um, it was a, a collaboration, I suppose, of bringing all my um, all my passions together. So, um, my teaching background, um, my PT, and my fitness journey, and and just my absolute love for nutrition and and health. So, I was able to combine all of those things into um, what is now programs for enhancing youth health.
1: Fantastic. And so. After winning the Australian title, you then went to Canada, Is that right? Yes. And how did you feel when you were in Canada?
0: Um, that was probably one of the biggest challenges of my life. Um, it was for me, it was so scary because it um it was my first time ever doing international travel solo. Um, so I didn't even have, um, any teammates or whatever that I was going with. I literally jumped on a plane and went all the way to Canada on my own. So you did
1: the, you competed on your own. You didn't have any people like supporting your, no. having your team kind of around you.
0: So there were people that were from Australia and, and some people that I knew once I got there. Um, but, um, nobody that I was, uh, like I didn't have a roommate or anything that I was staying with from that team. Like So um, I, the girl that I stayed with was a girl from Sydney I'd never met. But, I mean, I made a friendship out of that. But, um, yeah, just a, a quite a daunting experience. And that final part, like it, you've pushed yourself so hard already to get yourself conditioned physically for it. But then the mental challenge I think was even more so, just to take yourself there. And to prepare yourself um, to go onto to an international stage but without the support of like, your friends and your family there to watch and cheer you on.
1: Yeah. And so how, how different was the atmosphere or the um, Canada competition compared to how we do it here in Australia?
0: So different. And I, I think um, federation to federation, uh, it will change as well. Um, I wasn't prepared for the fact that, uh, with the UFE, which is what it's called on that international level, that with with their big competition like that, they actually don't have an audience as such. They they have the judges and they have like maybe some like film crew type people there, but you're looking out to an mostly an empty auditorium. Um, oh god, okay. And uh, so yeah, you compare that to the nationals, which is an absolutely packed um auditorium it, it was just such a different experience yeah
1: so do you find that like when you're in australia you kind of feed off the audience as well? absolutely
0: yeah so i yeah not lying at all i was quite disappointed with um what i came about there with the international level i was i was so proud to have got myself there and and proud to be representing australia with um, so many other incredible athletes but um I what I love about competition is that buzz of adrenaline that you get when you're on the stage and you're show showcasing. Like for me, it wasn't sh- showcasing necessarily just like an aesthetic um, presentation, I suppose, to people. It, it's showcasing a journey, yeah, like and sharing that with people. Um, like you've committed and. Been so dedicated to something for so long and that's what you're showcasing. And so when you're in an audience that is giving you that energy, um, it's just such an incredible feeling.
1: And so coming um, or finishing that competition then in Canada, that's where you made your decision to head out of the – or stop competing, is that right?
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I think um, for me it was – I was definitely mentally and physically I was I was tapping out at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, mainly because it had been – I didn't anticipate that in that first year of competing that I would have done so many. Like most people I think that you talk to maybe do two like, or you know, might do a couple of comps or something in a year because it allows you that time to recover afterwards, to to gradually build your calories and things back up so that your body is, um, healthy and, um, so that you're not putting your body under so much pressure for such a long time. But for me, it was pretty much 12 months because I did four competitions. So oh. it's
1: wow. Uh, full on.
0: Yeah. Full on.
1: And so you've spoken quite openly about competing, um, being not very good for your mental health. Um, and that a lot of, um, competitors will come out of that and sort of go down a bit of a slippery slope and I suppose mainly kind of because you were just saying when you're up on stage you're kind of presenting your journey Mm -hmm. um and then if that's the end of your journey
0: yeah well that's right um I think that's what a lot of people don't consider when they're thinking about competing it's um it's so exciting, all oh, that preparation part, even though it's hard. Um, it's just such an incredible goal to be working with that You, I think that's where the motivation comes to, to push yourself through what is challenging training and challenging diet. But the, out of all of that, the most challenging part is, for, well, for me definitely, was afterwards. And I think that's what's not talked about enough is um, yeah that after part uh, you've had you've done the journey you've got yourself there and then uh, whatever the result is you come off stage and suddenly uh, that goal is gone or that um, yeah that, that goal that you're working towards so then then you kind of go what now
1: you sort of explained to me once before or I think I've heard you speak about you kind of lose purpose in in life or what your what your role is now what what to come next um is there a way i suppose of people being able to step into the competition and and come out of it finding purpose or like what what's a way of preventing i suppose of going down that slippery slope coming out of yeah.
0: competition I think it's important to make sure, and this is probably one of the big challenges of, of comp prep is making sure that you have balance in other areas of your life. Um, So with, with your friendship groups and, and other social things as well, um, still making time for those things so that when the comp is finished, that those things are still there um, to support you. And having other goals as, as outside of just fitness, I think it's so important. Right. Um, so, so that you don't come out and then the next goal is just what's the next competition? Because it just becomes a cycle. So even though, sure um, do, you can do another competition and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think it's very positive to have other goals that are outside of the fitness realm.
1: Right. So would you recommend people heading into the competition or um, have a plan, have an exit plan in a way?
0: Yep, have have a plan. Um, Just as you get coaching and, you know, maybe not all people do, some people do it on their own, but um, I would highly recommend having someone that is going to guide you post-comp. I think it's important to have someone who knows what they're doing with your nutrition especially. Um, to guide you back healthily into a maintenance type of eating habits, um, and then also to have those people that will guide you mentally as well. So that that might be your close friends and things like that that are helping you with that.
1: So did you find you were having a bit of mental um, difficulty or like coming out? Like how did you how did you manage it?
0: Um, I'm really lucky that. When I first uh, competed, I did it with my sister. Oh, okay. So we really helped each other uh, coming out of that. And it was just so – I can't explain how helpful it was to have somebody that that knows exactly what every part of it that you were going through. Um, and to sh- so to share that with somebody just makes it that much easier mm-hmm. um, when you're having challenging days. Um, with your eating or with your mental well-being, that person's there for you because they know um, what it feels like.
1: How did you find, like during the competition, obviously you have to take skin folds um, and you've got to pay very, very close attention to um, what you're eating. How did you find, was that impacting your uh, mental health? Because I I know if I'm constantly checking my skin folds, Mm. it's kind of going to, I'm going to lose touch with what's reality.
0: I'd be very honest about that. That really made me uh, suffer with my mental health. Um, I just became obsessive about it Uh, because you get used to – you have to track that to be ready. So um, I would get really down on myself if I didn't feel like I'd lost enough um, when I went to go and do another test, Um, and I – I suppose i developed well i did i developed a body dysmorphia so what i was seeing as i'd, I'd just constantly be looking for what was not right yet or what was right. wrong
1: so you weren't reflecting on all the stuff that you've achieved you were reflecting no. on well that's not good enough yet
0: yeah so I, the way that i explain it to people is i mean by the time i got to canada I was the leanest I've ever been in my life. I was looking at about 6% body fat, which for a lady is very, very lean. And even then, I still remember looking in the mirror and attempting to pull at my skin, thinking that I wasn't lean enough because it's just how you train your brain. Well, that's definitely how it impacted me. I'm not saying it does that for everybody, but that, type of um, perspective of what you are looking for and it trains you to look yeah very critically at yourself
1: so if there was someone listening who might be in that exact um state and maybe even someone who's not necessarily competed because i know a lot of um people out there we have these dysmorphias and actually i think a lot of like the majority of people will look at ourselves and go see all the the negatives um how did you train yourself out of that? How did you rewire your, like what steps did you do to rewire your mind to go, actually, this isn't right. What I'm what I'm judging or this harshness that I'm putting on myself, how did you stop thinking that way?
0: Uh, that it did. It took me quite a long time. Um, I would say post-competition, it took me a good two years to start feeling good in myself again. And I think the way that I, had to work at that was to surround myself with people who were seeing it uh, from a more real perspective Okay. Um, so definitely my family helped with that and I had some really close girlfriends that helped me with that too Um, with yeah I suppose a lot of the attitudes so um, I a couple of the things post comp that I struggled with as well as um, my body image and body dysmorphia was um, my relationship with food, um, it, I almost developed a bit of a fear around it, um,
1: of how to eat or like not yeah, wanting to eat.
0: Of, I I got so used to uh, controlling what I was eating, so weighing my food and macro tracking, that to not do that, I I just felt like I'd lost control, and so to just go out to a restaurant and order a meal and enjoy it, I felt like I'd lost that um, because I, I didn't know um, how much fat was in that or how many carbohydrates or how much protein and so I'd, I'd feel like I was going to um, put on weight because I wasn't able to control it. So it took me quite a while to break the habit of even just tracking my food daily to know exactly how many calories I was eating. Um, And I did that with the help of friends and family for sure. So, did
1: you tell yourself any kind of mantras or anything that you would say in your, like when you were about to eat and you're thinking, I don't know know if I should eat this, I'm freaking out and freaking out, but you know that it's okay. How did you, did you say something? Or
0: I I didn't so much say something. I I think, again, like I do, I even remember one time at a cafe and it's so like I look at it now I think oh that's so silly but that's just where my head was I like ordering a breakfast and it had avocado and it was probably half an avocado but like in comp prep half an avocado would have I wouldn't have been able to even fit that into my fat macros for the day so um I remember messaging my sister and I was like I'm freaking out over breakfast this is so stupid like and and like just that talk with having somebody there and, and them reassuring you like, no, no, like look at it from this perspective, you're eating a really healthy breakfast. Like, and so that's how I started to change my perspective was rather than look at food as how much is it worth? I started going, what nutrients is this food giving me? Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I was still eating healthily. And so that was how I started to train myself out of those habits and um, allowed myself to start feeling comfortable without needing to control my macro tracking and things like that too.
1: If someone is looking at going into competition or in your opinion, is it possible to do bodybuilding or these forms of competing or high elite levels in a sustainable way, in a healthy, sustainable way?
0: In my honest opinion, I think there are ways that you can do it in a healthier way and a more sustainable way. But my honest opinion is that I don't believe that it is a healthy, maintainable thing to do. So um, if you were to be thinking about competing, I would be thinking about really hard about your why and what is driving you to do that um and it, and if it is to just give yourself that that challenge then by all means like like i said i learned so much about myself from that journey and i don't regret it at all
1: so what what tell me what
0: sort of things did you take away from that in the end um well in the end i i think in a funny way it it forced me to confront My own demons. So uh, where those, obviously, for me, those body dysmorphia things and that that came up were probably because I already had a lack of self-confidence that was there and I was hoping I would find it through competing.
1: Right. So that was the reason why you were heading in,
0: do you think? Into competing. Um, I suppose... Um, I've talked about this before a bit on um, social media, which is that I didn't have a healthy relationship with my body because I've always had such an athletic shape. And in high school and primary school, I was surrounded by small petite girls and that was definitely at at that stage. It was more popular – I'll say popular – and more accepted – Especially through media, which at that time was just magazines, but um, to be slim and um, petite as a woman, but athletic um, figures have only really just started becoming a thing now. Like um, to focus on strength and strength and um, like strong is beautiful and and having um, you know good muscle tone and that it's still attractive as a woman and you can still maintain that femininity about yourself um but because i struggled with that so much um in my schooling years um yeah i I just i think that's what i was attracted to with competing is i was like wow there's this whole industry that's saying that athletic is accepted and beautiful and hey i'm athletic like i can i can do this i can do this like I i can be good at this and um be recognized for something that I've always actually hated about myself, so, yeah. so that yeah,
1: so the, what you've taken away from that is it's really forced you to yeah. one look at what 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 you are and then really analyze and get yourself again out of that.
0: That's it. So, um, and do you know what competing really did in in the sense that, I, like I just said, um, I was just amazed at this industry that promotes athleticism. Um, it did really make me fine within myself a huge acceptance of having an athletic body. Like I, I like having an athletic body now. Um, and I can confidently say that I, I wouldn't change that. I'm glad that I have an athletic body. Um, so competing definitely helped me in that way. And, and then it's also helped me to look at other ways that I can grow self love. I suppose that look beyond aesthetics.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Such a good thing to take away from that. And I think, you must come away knowing that you can achieve pretty much whatever you really want to set your mind to because of such a challenge you went through. Oh, it's just oh. shown you've got dedication and you've shown courage and commitment yeah. um, and
0: and bravery to get like up on stage and do yeah. what you do in front of all these people. So I think even in your moments or even in my moments now where I have self-doubt or um yeah um, where i'm struggling um i can look back at that journey and what i what i did to get to where i was and what i achieved and and all of those skills that it took to get there i can apply to any area of my life so the dedication and and commitment to something that you love the the passion um yeah there's just so many things that you can apply and if you apply it with that same level of um, dedication then I think that's where I get a bit of a positive attitude that resonates with everything really like yeah I can I can do anything yeah
1: so now um when you come to eating um, and preparing your 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 food um, how do you do it how do you approach food now
0: um i i feel so much better about food um because <laughs> you're still incredibly fit
1: looking like you look amazing so i think from an answer person, you're like you must still be quite um particular about your foods or you just
0: i would say i i would say yes i am um i am particular but for a whole in a whole different way to how I was then. So then I was when I was competing, I was particular um, for food values and how much um was calories was in each of those foods. Um, whereas now I'm particular because I want to fill my body with the most healthy and nutritious, nourishing foods that I can, so that I feel good from the inside out. Uh, so I'm particular in the sense that yeah I try to eat whole foods and stay away from processed things I try to eat organic where I can and uh, support local people because that's something I'm passionate about Um, and I try to eat in a much more balanced manner so I don't I don't let things upset me so much now. So if, if I want to have a treat, um, I do it. I don't. I don't have to log it into my phone or think, oh, I better not eat that, um, uh, or eat for the rest of the day, or I better not. Um, yeah, I, I better cut down on this so that I can eat that. That I don't think with that mindset anymore. I just enjoy it and think of food from a, yeah, a nourishing point of view and a social point of view, um, and all of those positive things around food.
1: Cool. I do want to go in, in a second to talking about, um, how people can sort of optimize their, like if they are trying to compete or maybe they're just trying to be really, really fit or they want to have a big, um, body composition change, but in a healthy, sustainable way. I do want to talk about how they can sort of do their meal prep to better optimise that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But before I go there, just because you were saying you're sort of eating these whole foods, you like to um, sort of eat from local, support local farmers and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and you eat organic. Um, Obviously, eating organic and things can be, is fantastic for the environment. Can you help... Um, or can you explain to us what are the sort of benefits people can get from eating organic in terms of, um, not just environmental, but a health aspect?
0: For sure. Yeah. It's, there's so many elements to it. Um, obviously so much better for our earth, um, when we're supporting organic eating, um, and organic food, because it's normally uh, prepared and grown in a much more sustainable manner. um, But in terms of the health benefits for us, obviously eating organic eliminates all of those pesticides and things that are sprayed onto our food that we don't even, I don't even think we really know, to be honest, the full depth of what those things do to us long term. Um, So that's peace of mind even. Um, So apart from the fact that you know that you're not ingesting those things mentally, it, it it makes you feel better to know that you're that you're not
1: <laughs> i was actually listening even the other day to um atp science's podcast on um they've got a product called gut right mm-hmm. and that's sort of saying you know the foods that we're eating now um it, unless you're going all organic which would be fantastic um but we're not getting all of those particular good bugs and things that we need to um, build strength within our stomach. So when we're sort of stripping all back and we're not ha- eating the skins and things that we're not getting everything that we need from the food and that's sort of why they created their their product. Yeah, um, right. yeah it's a, it's a yeah, huge thing to think about, I think.
0: Yeah, and you've got to look at the quality of the food as well. So, um, you know, uh, most organic food is, is probably not stored as long as some of the non-organic produce as well so already you're getting a much uh, better quality and um, nutritious value out of your food because it's being eaten in it uh, as fresh as possible um, and not stored um, obviously then if you're not if you're trying to eat foods that are not stored for as long then you're probably then also eating more seasonal produce which is better for you too
1: yeah we need a variety don't we in our food for our gut health
0: that's right it's um it encourages us to um try new things and to um yeah eat according to our environment which is really how we should be eating um we're creatures of habit so you know it's so much easier to just keep grabbing those same um produces that you would
1: just eating your chicken, broccoli and cauliflower yeah, every night that's,
0: that's right. It's, it's so easy to do, to fall into that habit because to try new things feels hard at the start and it, sometimes it's more time-consuming, but um, to break those patterns and to um, try and eat, yeah, according to our environment, um, supporting it and working with the weather and the climate, um, that, that is much better for our bodies. So
1: if, um, someone's wanting to, um, get really, really fit and healthy, um, I mean, just being fit and healthy is, is good enough. Um, but some of us, you know, really want to not go to the, un, not, not go to the unhealthy version, but really want to push themselves and prove, you know, they can really be optimal levels. Um, what are some tools or techniques they can use to, to make sure that they're still getting variety in their food? Um but they're not having to put in so much time into um, measuring all of the, calculating all the macros and, you know, doing massive shopping lists and um, meal prep.
0: Like, is there any techniques they can use to
1: sort of optimise that meal prep time or?
0: The first thing I kind of think of is if if you're wanting to gain an under, a proper understanding um, so that you can get that balance in there, then it is going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. And that you and that maybe to start with, you are going to have to use things like uh, tracking and and weighing your food just to gain that educational understanding of food values. Um, once you pass that, then you then that's when you can save time, because um, you're already then getting an eye for how much like your, your portion sizes of each of those food groups that um, will work in with with what your goals are. So, yeah, so your eye
1: can just visualize something and go, well, that's going to be pretty much.
0: It. Yeah, that'll be 100 and something grams and that'll work out to this much yeah, protein, cool. this much fats, this much carbs. Because mm.
1: that seems to be somewhat sustainable to me. If you're not being going to the obsessive level but you're giving yourself a rough idea, you're looking at colors
0: oh, for sure. that you're eating. And- um Whilst I said um, before that macro tracking did create for me an unhealthy um, relationship with food, I did. I also wouldn't change that because I learnt so much from that experience of of tracking and 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 food values, and uh, that allowed me to move past what I call the cookie cutter plan. And that would be something I would warn all people against if they were considering competing is uh
1: So can you explain what is the cookie cutter yeah, the, plan? Yeah, I oh, will uh, I'm just thinking of cookies, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um It's the, Friday. Yeah, oh,
0: no, don't worry, my mind just wandered way off to cookies as well. Um but no the cookie cutter plan is uh the the coach that you might come across that um has this this plan that tells you uh like a program of of what to eat for the week and, you know, it plans out your day, um, tells you the quantities of what to eat. It's a cookie-cutter plan when that plan, the same plan, is then used for other people. So it's it's not individualised. It's not tailored to you, to um, your goals, to your training, to all of those different... uh, Elements that are going to make a big difference in what your results are, and also in most importantly, in doing it in the healthiest manner. So, um, I I would say cookie cutter plans can be quite dangerous. Um, yeah, if if you think about the fact that um, even between genders, like obviously the quantities of food are going to need to change. And you might have someone that's training for two hours a day versus one hour a day. So um, your plan should be tailored to you. Yeah.
1: So how did you do your um, meal prep? Would you sort of prep at the start of the week and do it for the whole whole week or were you doing it each day?
0: Uh, no, I, d- I didn't do it each day. I did try to capitalise on on time. Um, but I I also liked to eat my food as fresh as possible. So I used to do... Three days max, worth of food, um, and yeah, every three days I would then redo.
1: I wanted to know what actually I have a question from one of the listeners. Um, they they are doing or just looking at doing body um, building competitions now, and they were wondering because they do come from that sustainable um, frame of mind. They they're pharmacists actually. She's very health conscious and aware, um, and aware of how. Um, unhealthy the industry can be she's wondering is there a way or what would be the way of changing your body composition the quickest so dropping fat and increasing muscle but in a sustainable way or is it just real it's time if you want to do it sustainably
0: i think it's time that's yeah that's the first thing that comes to my mind to uh, to drop body fat and to gain muscle is that's time I I think that's where, and I'll go off on a little tangent here, but I think that's where people with diets f- fall off the bandwagon because everybody wants the fastest way to achieving anything and anything sustainable takes time. And
1: I, I suppose then as well with um, little areas like, I know, so, uh, actually probably not even just women, but men as well because they can't get estrogen in the systems, trying to lose like belly fat and stuff. Do you find um, or, you know, certain guys wanting to bulk up their arms quicker. Mm -hmm. Is there tools and things with that or is there a genetic element that just means it's either just not going to happen or you've just got to be persistent?
0: I think there's uh, both. So genetically you're in front obviously and there's a benefit if um you know you might have great calves or something um so you already have that benefit there of of having the muscle structure to work with whereas somebody who doesn't have that there will have to work a bit harder and show a little bit more persistence but of course there's ways um to work on those areas that you might not be as genetically blessed with um and from my experience um so you mentioned shoulders and that was an area of feedback that i received from my first comp is that they wanted my shoulders and my lats to be a bit more developed uh, so my training program then changed and, and those areas were um trained with a very high volume um which made um a very big difference um between comps um it's it's definitely possible
1: yeah possible about hard work I'm possible. feeling exhausted <laughs> just thinking about how much hard weight that would be I'm yeah. like, actually I'm just pretty happy with my body <laughs> yeah I think I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready for that <laughs> um now the other th- question I had from somebody else who's um following us it's to do with um actually partly my question as well I get bored being in a gym just lifting weights mm-hmm. so um my my way of building some muscle strength is through um doing the boxing um which I only do a small amount of um but I love cardio so I I enjoy running now what about somebody who just loves doing cardio <laughs> um there's obviously so much information that shows that really cardio and doing muscle building is going to give you the best results mm-hmm. Does someone have to do both? Or if you're doing just cardio, is that maybe also not great on the body?
0: Look, I I don't like to say that they have to do both because I I think that whatever your fitness regime is should just be something that is enjoyable for you. It shouldn't feel like it's a chore. So you need to work through and find those things that feel, that make you feel good about yourself and that make you want to get up in the morning to go and do it. Um if if you're talking from a bodybuilding competition point of view then yes, you're yes. Gonna, sorry sorry you're gonna, yes you yeah, are going to yeah. have to pick up a weight but um I think that there are certainly types of cardio that will probably be more beneficial from a muscle building perspective like uh, even things like cycling Um, can be great for you know building muscle through the legs um if you look at swimming i mean look at the lats and the arms on on swimmers there's definitely forms of cardio that are are going to hit um, muscle groups and and build muscle uh, as well as giving you cardiovascular benefit so i suppose if you like
1: if you if you're a run running lover, <laughs> yeah. maybe you have to just try and you know find some muscle, some activity that you like where you can still strengthen muscle.
0: Yeah, well, if you were wanting to do a running program that is is going to give you uh, some muscular benefit as well, that because you in terms of not just dropping down and becoming really lean um then you look at the types of running that you're doing and you would alternate that in your training so i mean look at um olympic sprinters look at the glutes and the legs on them yeah. and the well everything that <laughs> yeah. they are muscle powerhouse because they're using those fast twitch fibers so within your program you would then uh change that to maybe include some spr- like a a day that that has sprints in there or some hill runs mm-hmm. Um, those things that are going to build muscle mass with the and work with your fast twitch fibres. Right. So
1: that sort of uh, leads me into the, the question I was going to ask you next, which is to do with high-intensity workout. mm mm-hmm. um, yeah, Puffy wants to talk on the microphone. <laughs> um, can you explain that high-intensity workout theory or the concept behind that? Because I
0: know, like, it's you're doing – Shorter period high intensity, right? I suppose it's just getting the best bang for your buck in the shortest amount of time. Um, you can go for a a thirty minute run at um you know at a, what you'd call like a steady state because your heart rate is staying at a similar level the whole time um or you can do twenty minutes of of intervals where you're working at your hardest for. 20 to 30 seconds, um, and then resting for 10 and then go again hard and pull back. So it's, um, it's, it just gives you so many benefits in terms of, uh, cardiovascularly, um, what it's doing with your heart rate, you know, building it up, pulling it back down, then working back up again, that that effort and the energy that is required for that effort is so much harder than keeping a steady state. Yeah,
1: because the body will always try and um, get to that equilibrium, right? So if you okay. just track along, it's going to adjust, and then it's not going to be
0: anything in life. Your body always looks for the the comfort level. Yeah. Um. So anything, any type of training, and obviously hit does that so well that um does not allow you to sit in that comfort level um is is going to probably give you the best results um the fastest yeah so um that's why it's such a popular trend now obviously people that are wanting to um to lose weight or to get fit fast then they do they they use hit training
1: yeah and doing that just even a couple of i know for me just doing it like three times a week's made a huge yeah. huge difference And then the off days, just doing some light running
0: or weightlifting and things that challenge me in that way. I love cardio and the way that it makes me feel and it gives me such a clear head. So um, I love that, especially now when I'm working with my own business, that I can go into the gym for 20 minutes and know that I'm going to walk out feeling spent, but in a really good way. It's... I feel like I've put everything in, but at, at the same time, I feel so energized for the day um, to start like that.
1: Well, like, how how do you do it? And then, how would you recommend other people try and find their version of it um, to be motivated to stick with doing exercise or stick with their, their fitness journey? Because I know a lot of people's goal is they, you know, they want to get to, um, looking this particular way and they know where their journey is, they know that realistically it's going to take even a few years to get to to that spot, yeah. how how do they stay motivated and on
0: track? I think there's a few things to consider. Um, having uh, Setting goals is, is a really big one and it sounds obvious but a lot of people set goals but then they don't go back and modify them. Or reevaluate. Um, so that can make you lose motivation pretty quickly. So regularly modifying what your goals are and checking in with yourself. So when I'm telling a client that, I say every every four to six weeks is obviously when you want to be looking at your program changing up. Um, okay. so that should be when your goals are obviously being reset too because your strength should be improving and you should be hitting those targets um so then the next point to that is is to make yourself accountable to those things how are you how are you tracking what those goals are who are you checking in with um and um yeah what's what's motivating you to do that what's your why um having it it does help to have those people to check in with too like Talking to your friends and your family about what those goals are, because um they're interested. So they they're gonna ask you about it and they're gonna see how you're going. Um having a training buddy always helps someone to um, you know for some people it's it's just getting started. it's It's the hardest part of anything. Mm-hmm. But if you can stick with it, even just for, you know, for me, I, I reckon it's even just the first week. Of if say if you were starting a morning training program, it's that first week of making yourself do it, and it becomes so much easier. Yeah, it's a, it makes it a habit, right? To to do it every day oh, to set that habit. And so, yeah, to start with, it might be uncomfortable and it might not be enjoyable to start with, but it will be once you start making it feel like it's a habit. But yeah, so definitely. Um, Goals are the big one, I think. Checking in with those, modifying them and making sure that you are challenged and not bored. So regularly change it up, whether that's um, trying new things, changing your program, um, changing the environment that you do it in, um, changing your music playlist. You know, there's, there's so many different things that you can do to spice it up.
1: So every four to six weeks, make a, keep it challenging, keep it interesting.
0: If you, if you want to get the best results and and you want to feel good in yourself, I I think that you owe it to yourself to make sure that you are um, setting new challenging goals. Don't, don't just stick with what you can do because that, yeah, that's not going to show you what you're capable of.
1: Oh, that's a good point that's made me think <laughs> it's like oh yeah you can get you get in the comfort zone you're like that's what i could do yep yeah oh Challenge it's so easy
0: and, and that's where even since competing for myself i've my training has changed completely it is nothing like what i used to do what are you doing now so now i do a lot of movement training um which is um, following the method of Ido portal um and he's so he's a yeah, movement specialist, I suppose. It, it's it's such a broad word, so it is a bit hard to describe, but there's so many elements to it. But it involves, um, you know, there's strength work, there's mobility work, there's um, fine motor work, um, there's, you know, patterns that um, challenge you mentally as well. Um, What's it called again, sorry? Iru Portel. So how can someone find out about that? If, if you just looked up Iru Portal, so I D O, and the last name is P O R T A L. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you would find a wealth of information on movement culture, and okay. and and it's everywhere now. There's and there's a lot of gyms that um, have opened now that where you can go and do that style of training, and it is just so varied. And I think that's what I love about it is that um, there is n- you you never feel like you are at a point where it is not going to challenge you anymore. It, there's always something that is going to challenge you more within that style of training.
1: Is that where your rings, because you do ring Yeah, work. so
0: rings are part of, the rings workouts To a part of that as well. So a lot of people relate it to calisthenics. Oh, okay. Um, It does have a lot of that kind of style, I suppose, within it with so many other things as well. But, yeah, there's there's the rings and there's um it really I f- I feel like it's just I feel the best way to describe it is learning how to use your body properly but um and and then making that relatable f- to the movement patterns in life so um even like for example one of the last classes that I went to um it, it it was showing you ways to fall on onto the ground, so you know, because there's handstands and things are are a part of that training too. But what's the use of a handstand if if you're not even learning how to fall out of it properly? And mm-hmm. um, you know, learning how to fall is a, it. It sounds silly, but it's a skill you need as you get older. Because if if you uh, don't land properly, you you'll break something. Um, so learning yeah how to use your body in the most efficient way possible and to prevent injuries and to be able to keep moving for as long as possible mm-hmm. and which is absolutely one of my goals I I want to be fit and healthy and moving when I'm Deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, until I'm 100, I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't care if it's slow, but I, I still want to be moving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. And so now you are running your own business that you've created. Um, as you said before, Happy and Fit. Um, can you explain to us the concept behind that? Um, just a little bit about it, because I think it's actually even though it's designed at the moment for children, oh, for teenagers, for the youth. I think what you're doing is like vital for everybody to be following.
0: Yeah, it's such a massive project. Um, and at the moment it is focused around youth health, but um, the the long term vision is is much broader than that. Um, so Happy When Fit is encompassing the three pillars of health so mental health, nutrition and fitness and trying to create a sustainable model of of health and what that looks like for people within their communities um, and then also how our communities can then support people to be living their healthiest and happiest lives, um, utilising each other and creating what I feel is is lacking now in a lot of places, which is that sense of community um, and you know even things like tradership those old I, I call them old world values but um yeah we've lost yeah out of touch with that are we now I think social media has a lot to answer for we're so connected online but it's so made us so disconnected from each other and those really important and uh things that I think just create so much meaning in our life which is our relationships and face-to-face contact and um yeah being there for the people in our community um so the yeah the programs are, are designed for within australian schools um to align with the health australian health curriculum or acara um because i feel like Schools is where it needs to start because they are our future generation that's going into society. Um, we need to equip them with the life skills um, to be able to live a healthy life and to, and to know what, what that looks like um, within different settings. So school, home and community working together um, to create that holistic model of health. Where it's integrated and and has meaning and purpose for them, um, and it feels achievable. That's
1: fantastic. So, if anyone's wanting to follow you or get in touch with you, um, particularly with your your program or your business, what's where where can they find you?
0: So, I am on social media as Happy When Fit. So H A P P Y, W H E N F I T, <laughs> all one word. At Happy When Fit um, on Instagram and also on Facebook. Um, My private account on Instagram, you'll also be able to find um, information on Happy When Fit through there as well. And that's at Danae Marie. Um, Yeah, so that's my private Instagram account. So both of those ones have information on Happy When Fit and my health journey.
1: Awesome. We'll put links to all of that
0: in the show notes
1: as well so people can find you. Now, the last question, which is a, it's a big one, it's a tricky one. Um, if there's one thing people are going to implement into their life to better optimise their health in a sustainable way, how can we better optimise our health?
0: Whew. It's broad, but
1: I think you've got three pillars. So. <laughs> we do,
0: we do. All right, so... I'm going to be cheeky and I'm going to kind of give three answers because I am going to model it off of what my business is and how that came about. So the three pillars of health, I think if you want a sustainable, healthy lifestyle, then you have to make sure that you are looking at all three areas of the of the health spectrum. So you have to be looking at your mental health, your fitness and physical health as well as your nutrition. All of those things have to work in together. You can't just be working with two um, for it to be a sustainable model. So doing things for your mental health like um, relationships, I think, are probably really one of the biggest things that help our mental health. So looking at your friendship groups, looking at the social things that you're putting yourself um, out there, Um, so sporting groups or... um, hobby things that you go to be a part of. So you get, you've get you got that sense of community and support there. Um, getting to know the people in your local community and making an effort there, I think that's really important. So that's part of the mental health. And um, fitness, like I mentioned earlier, finding what works for you. Um, don't read the magazines and look at this person looks like this and so I have to do that. Find what you enjoy if if you want fitness to be sustainable, you have to find what works for you and that's going to be different to every, every person mm-hmm. and their lifestyle. Eating as close to whole foods and from the earth as possible would be my recommendation. Um, and again, finding what works for you. So don't take somebody else's plan um because they look like this or um or they've had these results um don't look at all the fad diets and things that are coming out like nutrition is not about a diet it's not a fad it's not eight weeks of this and then binge out at the end it's it's how can i maintain and and be healthy for life and yeah support and nourish your body so Uh, whatever feels best for you like become accustomed to what that is and what that means for you like it's a intuitive it should be an intuitive feeling uh, of what feels what what foods that you eat feel good for you and so i think to explore that um you do you have to commit a little bit to that Um, with trying different things and maybe even doing something to start with, like keeping a food journal and logging down. How did I feel after I ate this? Or, um, you know, you don't have to write pages every day about what you eat, but um, you you certainly can um, keep track of all of the the ways that you feel around those foods.
1: Um, Actually, that is a fantastic point because I think from... For a long time, when it when it came to writing about food, you were writing down just the things that you ate but no connection to how those things, those foods made you feel. Mm. And, in fact, that might be one of the first times I've actually heard people vocalise that. Um, I've only just started implementing it into the practice that I do with the clients I see for gut health where we say, you know, write it down, but there's a section at the bottom. It's how did that make you feel after eat, eating those foods? Um I think to we, see that connection.
0: Yeah, I just think we are so out of tune with what we eat. We, we, we don't actually have a relationship with our food. Um, yeah, we are just eating it for eating's sake, rather than thinking about all of those things associated with it. Um, so, yeah, to to develop. Or to regain that intuitive power that we all have, you do have to start thinking about how you are feeling as you're eating it, after you're eating it, um, and and looking at at yourself as a whole. And I mean, your food is, and the food that you eat, the quality water that you drink, those things are what make us really, essentially. Without those things, we don't function properly. So, um it's it's uh, a time thing that i think is worth making the effort for
1: yeah good investment oh thank you so much for being on here today and chatting with us i've learned so much (laughs) thank you for having me it was my pleasure and thank you for creating your business it's something that um we definitely need in the schools so i'm so thank you for doing that that's really lovely yeah thank you Thank you so much, Danae Marie, for sharing your story with us today. I hope some of you are feeling quite inspired and motivated from what we just spoke about. If any of you are wanting to reach out or connect with Danae, you can do so through her Instagram account. We will add links to all of this in our show notes, as well as a summary of everything that we spoke about today. So if there's anything in particular that you would like to go back and review, check out our show notes. We'll have all the highlights written down in there. Nice and easy for you to target. Now it's not too late to win our book giveaway. All you have to do to win is subscribe and review our Aikuku podcast on any of our podcast platforms Um, and also sign up to our email list to get updated of our upcoming events and talks that we're on. And when we do release a podcast, Um, we'll also send out specials, um, special offers that we get from our guests to our email list. So make sure you are on that list. Um, and finally, we do have on our website, which we will include in these show notes, is a link to the top three apps that we recommend you have in order to to achieve an optimized lifestyle. These are not to miss, guys. Check them out. All righty. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the iCuckoo podcast at iCuckoo.com.au.